The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Live from the old National Bank State Street Studio, across from the historic Chicago Theater, you are listening to Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Feels like football. Felt like playoff baseball on the north side. Cubs uh, won today, three to two. You had to get your team or your fans rallied up. Yeah, like I, I just didn't think last night the crowd uh, was into it late in that it won nothing game. It was one of those games, like you said today, that you love. When I love pitching duels, like I love those one run games where it's two strikes. And the last several years, going back to 15, crowds know in these late games, late innings, two strikes, time to get up. You know, and, and today... You were the get-up guy upstairs in the uh, in the seventh floor. Lazy-ass crowd today. Yeah. Like, everyone wanted to just catch a little... Catch a little sun. It was yeah. like a, it was like a 19, uh, 1982 crowd today. Yes. And you weren't happy. Uh, no, I'm like, happy. come on, everybody. Let's go. It's bottom eight. There's two strikes. Lighter needed a little help. He didn't have any command. And no one wanted to help him out. And then he walked the bases loaded. And then Alzali. Hit someone. Alzali came Al-Zalai. in and hit Al-Zalai. some of the bases yeah. juiced. Yep. But, but you, got him, to the, you got him to the finish line. We did it. We did it. You did it. We, no. It's not we, me. They did it. I'm not standing upstairs cheering. Cubs wins 3-2. to two. They are three games back of the Brewers. They are in the two spot in the wild card race right now. So kudos to them. It's going to be one of my find the greats today as we have find the great at 530. I was texting with Courtney Cronin earlier today who joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline about how to read some of the Ryan Poles press conference. And uh, she took it all in and uh, some of the waiver claims, two waiver claims, and then they signed a veteran as well. There's a lot to recap here as Courtney joins us right now. Hey, Courtney, how you feeling today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Like one of the themes that we talked about and we played some of the audio um, was the raving about some of the players, including Bajent, and sort of the matter-of-fact speaking and goals of Justin Fields. And, and, and I texted you about it, and, and can you relay what, what your thought is on this? You know, I think that Ryan Poles has been very calculated in the way that he's talked about Justin Fields, very measured, like he doesn't want to put too many expectations on his quarterback, but obviously is going to get asked about what the measure is for progress and determining whether he's your guy going forward. And I think he's handled it politically in a good way. Like I know people sometimes say that word and it means, you know, not necessarily being honest about things, but I think he's handling this in the way that he has to, because you can't go all in on a quarterback that you didn't draft just yet without seeing that he's proven anything in year three, which is such a pivotal year for him because of what could happen in the future, given this team has two first-round picks next year. And 
they want to see if Justin Fields can hold up his end of the bargain, which would be to improve off where he was last year with the resources that they have given him this year and the influx of talent that they've garnered over the last seven, eight months. So I think, you know, the reason a lot of these questions came up about Fields today with polls is because today's our only day we'll talk to him until, I guess, TBD. Last year we had him at the cut-down day right around there, and then we had him again in it was uh, New England in week seven, so a Monday night game. So there's a big gap of time where you try to hear what the general manager wants to set, like wants to feels about his quarterback right now and where his expectations are. And then you get an update and it won't be an update for a couple of months. So that's why that contract question came up about, you know, what they are going to be looking towards uh, potentially to extend Justin Fields eventually down the line. And I know Paul's kind of joked that he was taken aback by it because <laughs> That's fast-forwarding way, way down from where we are right now. But I, I think that Ryan Poles' message has not changed on right. Justin Fields, that everything he has said this entire time remains true and remains you know, true to his messaging, that it's improvement. Of course, improvement oftentimes leads to wins, and that's how he's going to judge this team. What I took away more than just the Fields thing when we're talking big-picture ideas about where this team is in the rebuild is that, when polls looks at everything they've done and on paper, they're about 75% to 80% of the way of fixing this, like in, in the progress of fixing this roster, they've gone about 80% of the way there. So they're, they've shown progress, at least by their summation of it. And I think with the quarterback, they're not, willing to go all in until they see it, which is the smart approach. Let me, let me play that bite. This is a polls, and this is, I think, what you're alluding to. Again, it's hard until you start playing. Uh, just being realistic, man. I mean, on paper, 80%, 75%. But at the end of the day, like when the lights come on and we play a real game and the energy level is different, the speed is different, um, we'll be able to evaluate that as we go through the season. But I feel good again on just on paper. I feel good about the progress, and we're I feel took a chunk out of what we needed to. That's what you're alluding to the roster as a whole, correct? Correct. And I, if you if you listen to that, everything he's saying is common sense. That yeah, they've made a lot of additions. They've turned over this roster. Look at the front seven right now. Look at the defensive line. Justin Jones and Dominique Robinson are the only players that remain from last year's group up on the D-line. And, of course, the linebacker spot outside of Jack Sanborn has been completely turned over. That, in theory, should lead you to believe that they have their caliber of players, their scheme fits, all of those things in place to make a jump as a team, to win more than three games. But, of course, it's all until you see them actually get into games and see what the results are, you know, the jury's out, and I know that that's not an answer a lot of people want to hear, but that's how right. you have to realistically look at it without saying, oh, yeah, everything's fixed, because how are you going to know until you see what the results are from the Green Bay game, from Tampa, from Kansas City, to know if you're headed in the right direction? You just won't be able yeah. to get an accurate read on that until then. As we live in the get-up world, and I don't say that in a negative fashion. I say that, and this is just the reality, and this is kind of the conclusion we came to with regard to Ryan talking about Justin. 
He's not Dan Orlovsky. He's not Greeny. He doesn't need to tell you that Justin is a true MVP candidate. He can be measured with his evaluation, and that's the way he should be. So it's not get up up there. It's the general manager of an NFL franchise answering questions and putting legitimate goals and conversation out to the public. Yeah, and I thought this was a conversation, so... I had to write an article, had to, I'm throwing my editor under the bus here, <laughs> did not want to write an article on why Justin Fields is a top 10 MVP candidate right now. But it, because, you know, people like go nuts over that stuff. He's got plus 2,500 odds tied with Dak Prescott. It's the highest a quarterback, rather highest a Bears player has ever been in the MVP mix going into the season since Jay Cutler in 2014. And the reason it's, it's talked about so much is because this this outside perception yes. on Justin Fields is there. It's not us there every single day watching the ups and downs, the roller coaster of training camp. It's people who look at him and see the parallels between what Jalen Hurts did last year and what Justin Fields could do this year. Granted, completely different quarterbacks. I wish that we could go a little bit more nuanced in that conversation, but it's that stuff that clouds, I think, the overall conversation about this team because it's looking at it in a vacuum. Like, yeah, if things go well, Justin Fields could be an MVP candidate. He could be leading this team to a 10-win season. He could be doing all these things that the team hopes for. But these are the answers you're getting from people that are much more measured than, like, national media, which right. are putting lofty expectations on what they want and believe could happen. Um That's why it's so different. That's the difference between being an analyst and being a beat reporter, because I toe that line a lot with what I have to do on Get Up and on First Take versus being a beat reporter here every single day, witnessing with your own eyes the day-to-day growth. I've always said this about, you know, covering a team. A team is a living, breathing ecosystem that has ebbs and flows 365 days a year. So these expectations that seem so sky-high – around the quarterback, when you're going at it on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis, it's so much more level than these, like, peaks and valleys that we see because we judge things off what happens on Sundays versus the actual day-to-day process of growth. Yeah, that's that's well said. Before we leave the world of Get Up and get into the claims and and some of the, the lesser sexy stuff, I want to play you polls on the trade rumors that were out there and ask you one additional question on the rumors. Here's what he said today about the trade rumors. Trade rumors kind of cracks me up, the stuff that I hear. Um, You know, we turn every stone. uh, We investigate everything. Nothing really got serious. Um, Never thought about or had any conversation about training Mooney. Uh, which was interesting, and Travis Gibson never came to office and said that he wanted to be traded. So just want to make that stuff clear um, in terms of Gibson, like, love that kid. Um, it was more of a fit thing, scheme fit. You know, I think his success came um, in a different scheme. Um, we had a great conversation yesterday, and I'm excited to, you know, see where he goes and what he does. And we know they weren't in on, on Jonathan Taylor. That would be stupid. Correct. The one question I do want to ask you is what about Chris Jones? I know he can't say anything about Chris Jones. That would be tampering. But do you believe there's any interest with Ryan Poles 
on Chris Jones? I mean, Chris Jones is on a Hall of Fame trajectory right now. He has 90 sacks throughout his career, which is impossible when you think about where he plays along the defensive line. Of course, the ties are naturally there between Ryan Poles and Kansas City that if there was, and we haven't heard, I'm not speculating, but we have not heard the Bears are interested or they've made calls or anything like that. But to upgrade that spot on your defensive line with a player who's on the right side of 30, I think you have to at least explore the option out there because you can't. Like, again, you go back to everything on paper, 75 80% of this roster is quote-unquote fixed to their liking. You know, Chris Jones is a game wrecker. And whether he's with Kansas City or somewhere else, he's going to continue to be on that trajectory as long as he stays healthy. So if that's one, and I know that Ryan Pohl said that he was, you know, kind of laughing about some of the ones he's, he saw, I don't know if that one would fall into that category because of where Chris Jones could affect this team. And I know that they're not a year away, but he's not – in any sort of any part of his career where he's close to thinking of the end. Like he's got years and years left of this. And if Kansas city isn't willing to come to the table, somebody else will. And if that's the bears, then that would be, you know, that would be the biggest splash move he's made probably since, I mean, certainly since getting DJ Moore on this team, but that would, that would change things. I think the expectation of this team considerably if you had somebody like that up front because then not only is you are your edge rushers better than they were last year from a talent perspective but you have arguably next to Aaron Donald the best interior run the best interior pass rusher in the NFL uh, Courtney we've been told that Tevin Jenkins is Jenkins is really the only significant injury that they have right now who was actually able to participate today in practice that hasn't been able to in recent days saw Nate Davis out there Lucas Patrick as well uh Cody Whitehair's been back out there I noticed that like the the wrap he had on his hand was not nearly as big as it was uh you know in previous days so again I think some of what they were doing last week and being cautious, and even Ryan Poles talking about the soft tissue injuries and where they are and figuring out how to get to you know, the right side of that. I think there were more players out there than I expected. The ones that are still missing, though, Jaquan Brisker is the big one, and we saw him on the bike today. Doug Kramer, as we know, got injured in the game on Saturday, so I anticipate him coming along we we have yet to get an update from Matt Eberflus on exactly where he is with his hand he said he would have to have like a 24-hour period because sometimes he's making it sound like things will improve but the team him uh Poles Matt Eberflus they've all maintained that everybody else is good to go and that the Tevin thing is not as serious as we might have thought it's serious enough, though, that it's going to cost him the team's first four games because they're moving him to IR. They haven't done it yet, but that IR spot will be then creating a, an open roster spot where I think that Trent Taylor, the new punt returner, who is their number one punt returner, according to polls, even though he says that Bayless Jones is going to be in the mix, but that would create the roster spot for him. And then, you know, whatever happens, I think practice squad is the most likely path that they take. But they're planning to add him back in some capacity, too. So where is Chase Claypool with regard to his return to being available? Is he full go? 
He's, I mean, from what we saw out there, and granted, we're in regular season mode, and we won't have any sort of injury, um, you know, participation sheet till next Wednesday. But Claypool was out there, and he was running around. He was, he did not look limited from my perspective, and I started to notice this on Saturday. So they're going through wide receiver warmups, and you know, Claypool, Bayless Jones, neither of them played, but Claypool was moving around pretty well out there, and he was running. More than I, more than we had seen him uh, in practices. So I thought that that was a very promising sign. And what Ryan Pohl said today, it's kind of hard to judge because he hasn't played in a game yet. You know, is he on the right track to being that guy you traded for, the thought of that guy you traded for, or is the jury still out? You know, what Pohl said about him going into the practice that he got injured is that up until that point, he looked like the best version of himself. So there's some encouraging signs there from what the front office is seeing. And you just hope that it doesn't take that long for Justin Fields and Chase Claypool to get back on the same page because we know that the trust factor and mostly just the reps and the, in the muscle memory and all those things that Fields has to have to feel comfortable as a quarterback because he's not just going to be the guy who throws it to a spot and expects his receiver to get open. He wants to see it because – that's how he operates. Like you hope that he's able to get up to speed on that quicker rather than it taking a couple games because Claypool missed, you know, several three weeks just about of practice. Yeah. Courtney, so you mentioned Trent Taylor uh having the, the punt return duties. Give us a quick bio on Trent Taylor, who they picked up today, and then the two other players that they claimed on waivers. Yeah, so Taylor was with the Bengals the last couple of years. Um seldom used as a receiver punt return specialist and this is his job so got people then asking all right well what happens to Valus Jones I think this puts Valus Jones on notice for a lot of different reasons number one you know he's coming off the injury we did see him out there today but he's not the number one punt returner according to the general manager who announced this before it was even official which is you know not Ryan Poles' MO but they clearly feel they needed an upgrade at that spot. And it's very obvious that Bayless Jones has struggled as a punt returner. They're going to try to find other ways for him to get involved in this team, whether it's on kickoff return, um, whether it's, you know, it's a gadget play guy on you know, certain downs as a wide receiver. But this is another thing, another, you know, seat that's gotten occupied in the game of musical chairs for him trying to find a role within this team. So that's pretty considerable. And then the other two, uh, Quindell Johnson, the safety that they claimed, uh, he was with the Rams during camp. That's somebody that was on their radar. Like he was a UDFA they had hoped to get in the process. They end up, um, he ends up signing with Los Angeles. So they miss out there, but then they're able to bring him in now. That's why AJ Thomas was waived. Um, so good safety depth for them there. He had 10 career interceptions at Memphis. And then, you know, Khalid Kareem, the Notre Dame connections there, which I thought, you know, it's funny they just keep signing all of these players from, from Notre Dame. Um, Cole Komet thought that was, a, you know, that was a fun thing for him, too. He gave us a little bit of a scouting report on him. But it's an upgraded defensive end, somebody that Matt Eberflus had in his system in Indianapolis played for him, and they got an up-close look at him last week. I think this just further shows you, like kind of going full circle back to the Gibson thing, every decision that they've made methodically over the last 18, 19 months has been to get their players 
in the mix. And Travis Gibson, scheme fit or not, was not one of their players. That was somebody who was drafted by a previous regime, Kendall Vildor, too. And because of what their salaries became on their rookie, the final year of their rookie deals, you're not going to pay for players that you don't anticipate being here long term. And a lot of that comes down to who are my guys? If I'm Matt Eberflus, who are my guys? If I'm Ryan Poles, the people that I'm, you know, every time you make an acquisition, you hedge your career on a player. And whether it works out or doesn't, we saw it not work out with Leatherwood and PJ Walker. And I thought he had a re- Poles had a really um, self aware answer to that question about cutting bait before too long because ego's involved in all of these decisions, no matter whether you have a self aware general manager or somebody who's not. And I thought that the way that Poles handled just moving on, being okay taking on that financial penalty, shows you that the approach he's going through is not going to be trying to smash a square peg into a round hole the way that maybe the previous regime did by trying to make their moves look right. Because when it's players that you didn't draft, it's easier to do that. And then when it's players that were your decision, it's hard to rip the Band-Aid off, but it's a much easier process when you do. Courtney, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, thanks, guys. See you soon. There you go. There's uh, Courtney Cronin brought to you by Purple Wave Auction. We appreciate her time. We appreciate Purple Wave Auction. If you have any reaction to what Courtney had to say or any of the Bears sound you heard today, 312-332-3776. If you want to talk about the Cubs win and them winning the series against the Brewers, they're three games back now of the Brewers, and they're right there in the middle of the wild card in the number two spot currently, um, be our guest as well. 312-332-3776. I want to get into Find the Great. I also heard a debate this morning regarding a big move that the Bears made in the past in relation to the Chris Jones move currently and whether or not the Bears regretted that move. I, I thought it was an interesting debate the guys had this morning. And if they had a do-over, would they do it differently? I want to see how you react to this. So I want to bring that to the table. It's all coming up next. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. By the way, there's only three things Jeff Miller gets dressed up for. Okay, one is an ABC7 uh, fantasy hit. The next is his lovely daughter's uh, dance recital. And a really important fantasy football draft with some big shooters here in Chicago. He has got the fantasy football draft outfit on tonight. He's raring and ready to go. In fact, told me he may have to cut out a couple of minutes early. Oh, he's leaving yeah, early for so. this. I think it's like what he's he got a button down. Is Look he wearing? Him. Is he actually wearing dress you see pants his shoes? Too? Oh, no, he, I'm he's wearing got jeans. He's, he's got, got loafers. fancy new shoes. Brown he's got loafers. Floral on today. Yes, that's what he's got. You're about to lower the boom on some big money fantasy football cats, aren't you? With the Boca guys, yes. right? With Kevin and You're Rob tonight. One of those restaurants when this league's done, it's a good time. I'll just say that. Good time had by all you. Boy, what do you got? What are you doing with them over there? Are you are you drafting football players? Or are you doing a little fluffing the way you're dressed? What? Well, I don't know. Why are you all dressed what the up? What does that mean? Well, why are you, you dressed up for a fantasy football league? I'm not dressed up. I have a button-down shirt on. It's right. a nice you one. Don't, you don't. It, but it's you a nice one. Usually, it's a golf four. shirt. You Usually ne- it's a golf shirt. It's a button-down shirt. Yeah, I know. You never that's... dress up that way for yeah, us. No. Listen, the last time you wore that, I guarantee you, was your daughter's recital. 
I'm telling you. Or your fantasy football hit for ABC7. Exactly. Not that one because you usually wear a jacket for that hit. It's true. When is that hit? That starts next week. This this Friday. He he dressed up also for the fantasy football, uh, the uh, football fest. Of course he didn't. You were dressed up for football fest. I had a polo shirt on. Oh, you were quite dressed up. I had though. a white polo shirt on. This we is, were, we were all is, wearing t-shirts and shorts. This and is you were special, quite dressed up. This is special high-level fantasy football draft gear he's got on. Yes, he is. I, yeah. love, I love how you guys shame me for just trying to look I presentable. I am not shaming you. He, I'm just mm, identifying your gear. Sylvie's like, we all look like schlubs at Football Fest. Meller was I all know, dressed I, up yes. in, a, I totally in a golf do. shirt. We look like schlubs in general. Like, look at me. Join the schlub club. Yeah. It's the schlub club. Join it, Tyler. You but, know he's got his he's got his big big fantasy football. Like draft if we gear were to on. if we were to give attire tiers, we're like tier four dressers. The three of us today, yeah. he's tier one. No question, he's tier one. Yes, he's being escorted to his his special seat wherever it needs to be. I dress so poorly that a day that I just throw on jeans, someone says, oh, why are you dressed so fancy? I could wear the same hoodie that I'm wearing right now, but just throw on jeans. And someone says, oh, Sylvie's dressed up today. This is the first time I haven't worn a hat in like 10 days. (laughs) Yeah. No sweatpants for Sylvie. Looks like he's going out. Oh, no, he's nice. got sweatpants. No, I'm so saying I... when he does. Oh, yeah. 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 Today's the first day I broke out the sweatpants instead of shorts because of the little chill in the air today. Got a little chilly, nip, little chilly for a little golf. chilly for golf. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, you want to do find the great? Brought to you well, by Gray Clips. Yeah, Let's well, do that. It's time to find the great on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Find the great, presented by Great Clips. Mind if I start? Have at it. Cubs win 3-2. to two. Uh, It was a fantastic win and a great way to bounce back from game one of this series when it looked like they were overmatched. It looked like um, that you'd be happy with winning just one game. But l- let me zoom in a little more. You know the way I feel about Kyle Hendricks. He's one of my all-time favorite Cubs. Uh, This is from Tony Andraki. He tweeted out this stat about an hour ago. Since he came back on March 25th, uh, the most starts with three earned runs or fewer since that date. March 25th, three earned runs or fewer. Blake Snell has 18. And next, Kyle Hendricks with 16. So basically the quality starts stat. Blake Snell 18, Cal Hendricks 16. And this is in entire major league baseball. Clark Schmidt, Jordan Montgomery, um and and a host of others. It, it it it's amazing. Like he hasn't been dominant, he's just been good. To really good. And today he was really good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to stay in the same lane. My grade is the guy who pitched the night before in Justin Steele, who threw six innings, six hits, no earned runs, walked one, had eight strikeouts, threw 111 pitches, which I believe was his high water mark on the season. I don't think he had thrown more than 110 pitches in a game. His ERA is 2.69, and I feel I still feel really good that your $20 bet or whatever it was on DraftKings is going to produce quite a payout for you because I think he is – very much a front runner or in the conversation with a couple of other guys for the National League Cy Young. Wadala gave me the tip. He goes, Hey, by the way, your your guy Steele, this was in April. He's at uh, forty to one Couldn't to, believe to win where the he Cy was. Young. Forty to one early in the season. 
So I'm like, why not? I did this with Rodon a couple of years ago. And this, like, I love Steele. I was, I was raving about him last year. So I put $20 down on Steele to win the Cy Young at 40 to 1 to pay out $800. So I've got a shot here. Yeah, I mean, I think you do. I, I think if he reels off, you know, a handful of good starts in September, he can win this. Snell's not, you know, in it to win it as far as a, a division or a, a wild card spot. So if Steele can be. Dominant in September, I think he could win it himself. And then you're buying lunch. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yesterday, I was quick to say no. Yeah, you were. On this one, I'm quick to say yes. Okay. Because you were trying to get me to buy lunch on an $18 Notre Dame win. This is an $800 win. I'll buy dinner for that. Okay. We'll go out. We'll go out we'll, the boys will go. go out to dinner. There you go. We'll, 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 we'll go out to dinner. Portillo's, fellas? Hey, Portillo's gets it done. What do you got, Meller? What do you? What, what's your grade? Based on your reaction, it's clearly the way I'm dressed tonight. I'd say that, huh? It Look is great. Me. I think your outfit's fabulous. Thank you. Um, you know play. what it smells like? It smells like victory. There you go. Your outfit smells like fantasy football victory. I would say, uh, how about Bryce Harper hitting his 300th? He's been on a tear since uh, over the last month or so, and the Phillies seem to be uh, one of the red-hot teams in baseball that you do not want to run into if you actually have to play them in the playoffs. Two years in a row. So home run number 300 for Bryce Harper today. And then Tyler? My grade is Cody Bellinger. He does it again with a clutch hit for this team. And, you know, it's one of those things. Ian Happ has played better as of late. He had the the clutch hit. But there's too many times in these clutch situations where Ian Happ comes up to the plate and doesn't deliver. But Cody Bellinger always finds a way, it feels like, to ultimately deliver and help the Cubs win a game. He, he it, It's been so much fun to watch him play. And and from a one-year deal where people were calling in, what are the Cubs doing? Why are they signing Bellinger? He's been one of the worst hitters in baseball for the last three years. To then becoming a guy that we were saying, well, maybe they should sell, maybe they should capitalize, to now being an MVP candidate. It's been uh, truly a remarkable season to watch Don't him Don't get play. outbid for him next this offseason. I know. Don't get outbid. And the, bid, the bidding's getting higher, too. You you shouldn't. You know, uh, uh, he's a great guy in the clubhouse. He plays multiple positions, and he and you he, are the Chicago again. Cubs, and you, you, you have, have a lot of money, money in the world. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, this is. I heard this conversation today, and I know Joe in Oakbrook will get to his call in a minute. He wants to talk about Chris Jones. Chris Jones. So this is in relation to Chris Jones. They were talking on Cap and Jay Hood today about Chris Jones. And then they went back about the Khalil Mack trade, and they compared it to, hey, this would be similar to Ryan Ryan Pace. I did it the opposite, so I don't get in trouble for that, because that's not the game. Ryan Pace going and making the the Khalil Mack. It's my game. I know how to play it. Uh, Ryan Pace making the Khalil Mack trade. And they said, Cap said, it was an unsuccessful trade. And, and Hoodie said, well, is it really an unsuccessful trade? It's, it's basically a wash. They went 12 and four the year that they got Khalil Mack and he was hurt. Like, he, he was a very, very good player. How many times do it, like, he was, wasn't he the defensive player of the year? One of the years he was well, here? Runner up. Runner, runner up. up. Okay. Yeah, we've had this conversation recently. I think he was the runner up for defensive player of the year. He wreaked havoc, havoc. He was very good, but he was slowed by injuries. Um, and like Cap's argument was that who knows what the Bears could have, what they could have done with the two first round picks. And I raised my hand listening, saying, 
I know how they would have done with their two first-round picks. They would have botched them because that's what Ryan Pace did with their first-round picks. You know, other than Roquan, they were all basically busts. Correct? None of them saw their second contract. No. So why not take the two first-round picks? One of them, obviously, which was used on like a Khalil Mack type player, he gave up two. What, 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 like, I, like, I'm in it all day, every day on a move like that, especially when you win the division that year and you have a chance to win a Super. Like, that team was a contender and they should have won a home playoff game if the kicker doesn't screw up. I don't know how you could say that was unsafe. The same guy who wants the Cubs to go for it this year now would say that he would do the Khalil Mack deal over and wouldn't want the Bears to go for it in that year. Like, aren't those two contradictory things? Uh, Yes, I don't consider the Khalil Mack trade a bad trade. I think, and I said it at the time, what it did was it made Mitch had to work. Because when you traded what you traded and you gave the money, the reason why Khalil Mack was available in trade, remember, was because the Raiders didn't have the cash to put into escrow to pay him. They traded him because of money. Mm -hmm. And the Bears went in and traded for him. It's not Khalil Mack's fault that they couldn't get more out of Mitch or that Mitch was Mitch. But when you gave up what you gave up for him and you gave him the contract you gave him, you were pigeonholed. You didn't have an escape hatch to get out of it if, in fact, Mitch wasn't going to be a difference-making quarterback. And at that point, you know, it's Matt Nagy. It's your job. You're, You're coming from Kansas City. You're the offensive, you know, you're the quarterback guru. You've got to be the one that... Gets the most out of Mitch. It's not Khalil Mack's fault that offensively they couldn't get the job done. Like I don't, I don't look at that trade as as it was a bad trade. No, what ended up happening was it wasn't Khalil Mack that didn't perform. It was Mitch that never became the player that they drafted him to be. Right, right, and again, that was the problem. Like, like what would it have done if if Ryan Pace got two extra first round swings? Well, no, I mean, history he was tells bad, you that he, he would that he would swing and miss. Yes, he would. He would have uh, traded up for a guy who wasn't as good as he should have been. You traded for Khalil Mack. He was All Pro one year, second team All Pro another year. He was the pro. Went to the Pro Bowl three seasons. Mm-hmm. He had twelve and a half sacks, eight and a half sacks, nine sacks, and six sacks in seven games the final season when everyone was down on him he had almost a sack a game and i'll argue as well not only did they not know how to develop their quarterback they didn't know how to pace their pass rushing specialist because what they did was is they asked him to play 99 percent of the plays and i can hear people saying right now well that's what you pay him to do not necessarily when he's banged up and when you when you need to give him a little bit of a breather, like so, I didn't think they managed him well at the end of his time here in Chicago. So I, I don't argue, look at I, that trade. I, I could argue that that was Ryan Pace's best move. Yes, I could argue make that argument as well. Uh, Joe and Oakbrook here on ESPN One Thousand. What's up, Joe? 
Hey, guys, yeah, I just want to make um, – well, first off, that's crazy. I mean, if you didn't make that deal, there would be 20, 25 other teams lining up right behind you to give up maybe more for Khalil. So anybody does that trade, first off. Second, the main point I want to make about Chris Jones is – and I'm not calling in to rehash what everybody said. He's 29 years old. you got to pay him the money, whatever. That's fine. You don't make a deal like this. The, the parallels of the Khalil deal is – they're all valid points. I totally get that. You don't make, and this goes for any trade, Jonathan Taylor, I hated that anyway, but any trade you're going to make right now with this team, that 18 team was a lot more talented and a lot further along than this team is right now. That's fair. And, and they traded for a 27-year-old, yep. not a 29-year-old, and that team yep. was even further along than this team. That's so fair that as I well. Just wanna, yeah, I want to make that clear, and that goes for any trade. That you're going to make. No, I, I listen. Joe, I, I think call. those are really good points. Um, I'd still consider it. I still would. <laughs> yeah. I still would. He's I mean, so good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would consider it. I, again, I would. Not, I thought Yurko made the best points about it. He's like, look, I got two first round picks. You're going to, if in fact we would even have this conversation, you're not getting the one that would end up being the higher pick. You'll get the other one, and. Then we'll have a discussion about what the contract should look like because if, in fact, you do need to pivot and move, you've got to have a couple of first-round picks. You just may not get him in those circumstances. That's true. That's the only thing. Like the the Chiefs would say, well, okay, you don't want to give us your best first-round pick? Thanks, but no thanks. Absolutely. That's why we're dealing with you. And that's where I wouldn't overpay for, for Chris Jones as much as I think of him for some of the reasons that the caller mentioned. He's 29. He's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we're not there at the moment where I can truly, like, ridiculously overpay for him. He's not the difference between me winning the Super Bowl and not winning the Super Bowl. I don't think they can do that in the NFL, though, do they? Where you take the lesser pick? That happens in the NBA, but I don't know if I've ever seen an NFL team, you know, have a conditional... Do could they would just have to? Pick. I guess they, they would, would say conditional they, first they, round pick. Yeah, or, or conditional, or would they just say like we we get Carolinas or we get yours, and they would have to gamble on which is worse? Sure, but that's right. You it, better they, be right. Right? About that. No, exactly right. Because remember the year that the Raiders said that they want the Bears pick over the Packers, and and it turned out the Bears were twelve and four that year. Right. Isn't that one of the reasons I think why so. they want to deal with the Bears instead the Bears. of the Packers? Right. Yes. I don't know that, Jeff, that there's a rule in, in, in the NFL that would keep you from doing that. It would just be something that you'd have to negotiate. No, I know. I just, I've never seen it before. Yeah. Like, the NBA does that all the yeah. time. Yeah. By the way, uh, one of our old friends got a big, big national broadcasting job. This was a big surprise to all of us. We'll tell you about that coming up next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Our buddy uh, Jay Cutler is uh, back in broadcasting. I saw that earlier today. You told me this. That's right. It's the in- inside the NFL show, right? And I believe it's on the CW now. Oh, is that where it is? I it's no longer so, on right? Showtime? Yeah, it moved to the CW. Yeah, I think Ryan Clark is like your host, and there are several analysts that will join him. The inside the NFL is on the CW? Yeah. 
Did I the CW's right? making a lot of sports moves lately. Like they really? have a lot of they ACC the, football they and basketball. They have live well? golf. Uh, they they've been making one of the strong pushes for the Pac-12 before the Pac-12 folded. So they've been trying to get active with sports. Okay, so J- uh, Jay's on the panel. You said with Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark, uh, uh, Ocho Cinco. I think Channing Crowder is part of the group as okay. well, and s- another name or two that I forgot. Completely escaped my brain. So Jay back in it. He you know, is. he was uh, he was going to do games before he returned to the NFL with Miami. Uh, but then uh, I could give you details, but I haven't talked to him in forever. It, it, it's ever since the anniversary show he was supposed to attend. We have not heard from Jay. I hope he's well and I wish him well with his new television uh, venture, but haven't heard from him. But remember also, that's the show that Brandon Marshall was doing, I think, while he was... While he was playing. Still playing. That was a big uh, bone of contention, right? right? While he was playing, he was he was going on their off day on a, on a plane, on a private jet, right? They were I, flying him to I and from. so, yeah. And then, like, Foxy ended that. Wasn't it like Trestman allowed him to do it? And then the first year of John Fox, they said, no more. Cannot, or I think maybe John Fox cut him, or they cut him because they said I, I forget if, I if don't he remember played one either. year for Fox. Yeah, those that that the after Trussman that first year of Fox, I blacked out. <laughs> I have a Bears blackout. It took I don't a while to get everything reorganized. I don't remember it? who sort of transferred yeah. over there and and who they left. Those were some dark times. It was. Yeah, it those were really some dark was, days. Roster wise, yes. And, and then it, nothing ever, because I thought, okay, now they got a professional coach here, uh, and, and nothing materialized. And the GM ultimately drafted a quarterback without telling right, the coach. Right, and, and I feel much better about the, where this team and the entire building is right now. Well, yes, With Kevin Warren yes. as your president and Ryan Poles as your general manager. Um, they're, not, they're not perfect, but like you like to say, they're all pulling on the same end of the rope. Yes. Like, back then, they weren't. It was every man for themselves. It was CYA. Yes. And in polls, it was an arranged marriage, arranged by Ernie Accorsi. Ted's bringing in Ernie. It's crazy. Ernie's saying, this has to be your coach. Ryan didn't want him to be your coach. Nonsense. It is. When you... How is everyone supposed to pull on the same end of the rope when it's that way? Yeah. Everyone had their own rope. By the way, I was expecting Tyler and Meller, but Meller left a little bit early to go uh, attend his fantasy draft. I was expecting so, Tyler and Meller, too. Were you really? No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. So, Tyler, so Tyler is, uh, your solo. It's brought to you by Steinhoffels. Yeah, I'm going to hear a little Ryan Poles talk a little bit about what he had to say. Also, uh, some more Bears and also uh, the Cubs and their new expectations now. Like, can this oh. team win a playoff series? Not a funeral? Of course not, they can. Not a funeral? It's called, uh, will they? It's called built bulletin board material I provided. Well, answer the question. Will they? They can. Will they? You have to listen to the show from 6 to 8 uh, to find out. Me. Give me, like, a couple minutes to get in the show, in, in the car. And then I want to hear, because I'm on the ninth floor today. Don't worry about me. I'm I usually out the gate by the time we hit six. <laughs> Will they? Got it. Yeah, he'll we'll be listening to you. country. Yeah. All right. So, uh, no, I'll listen to Tyler. I won't be listening to country. Sure you will. No, I will be listening to Tyler. You. you don't even know who Mike Gilligan is. He is the uh, the golf guy, uh, CDGA golf guy. I didn't know his last name. I knew his first name. Mike, thanks for listening. Oh, you know what? You, you can kick rocks on that, you know? Uh, Thank you to Meller uh, for putting in sort of a day today.
And uh, Tyler Hockey. Wow. Wow. For Wanna Live Sylvia. Getting hostile as we close the show down. Have yourself a great Wednesday night.